Hi, we here at Grace Life would love to help you discover Jesus' unconditional love and grace for you. We pray that this message will be a blessing to you and further establish you in the truth of God's Word. After the road God has walked with me and I'm even more excited because um, in Proverbs 4 verse 18 it says that but the path of the just is as the shining light that shineth more and more unto the perfect day. So there's so much more to come. There's a perfect day to come. And I wanted to read it for us in Proverbs, um, Proverbs 4 verse 18 again out of the Passion Translation and it says but the lovers of God um, the lovers of God walk on the highway of light and their way shines brighter and brighter until they bring forth the perfect day and I these were, I just read it again and again and I thought to myself but how do you become a lover of God we've heard all these stories now of people that there's no hope it's a dark world that in Albania, I mean, we, we received this message Friday evening, like um, Henry also said, that let's pray for Albania, because they are they're busy with this Discover um, course that they are running. And the words that came forth was that, please pray for them, so that they can find purpose, because um, this is a hopeless nation. That's that. It's dark. We hear of darkness, we hear of hopelessness, and um, you know, even Shane, when he sent the message about the Christmas story that they were doing, he said that it's such an opportunity to bring light into this dark and hopeless parts of the people. And um, Anna, you know, uh, that's also there, that's going to sing in the opera, she also, uh, she was visiting her friends in Germany, and um, just before she went to Albania, and I just messaged her, message of just encourage her, and she said, yes, um, please pray. These people's hearts are so hard. And, um, you know, Sumi, our other friend, two weeks ago, she sent us lots, lots of photos because she was in London. And in London, she sent us photos of a bookstore. And the books that was available there was on Buddhism and philosophy, and the magic and the occult, and challenging, what's it, channeling, channeling, and it's all these, it's as if it's all these tortures that people, it's, it's a, what, a light, they are trying to, to just create lights for them to see in this dark world outside. And oh, that, that really stuck my heart, and I thought, God, how is it possible? How is it possible that hearts can be touched? And these words just came to my mind. Even when I was a small girl, I just remember, in God what he said, let our love shine out the distance. It was our heart, a love light shine. We want to light with the light that from Jesus Christ is outstretched. And I also, I want to read it, it's in 2 Corinthians 4 verse 6. And that's the answer. It's the light, but it's the true light. And it says, For God, 
who commanded the light to shine out of the darkness, has shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God. And um, I just thought to myself that this is the, that's the answer because people don't have the right knowledge of who God is. People don't know that this God that all are talking about is the true God. And I mean, there's way, there's all these these different things as 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 Sumi has sent us all these these books and everything available for us, trying to figure out how how to see in this dark world, how to make it how to make it through this darkness. And I was just reminded in Mark, we're going to read out of Mark um, five of Mark eight. Sorry. So in Mark 8, verse 18, that's after Jesus um, multiplied the bread for the second time. And um, Jesus, he was just, they were getting into a boat with his disciples, and Jesus warned them, and he, t- he, he said to them, Be careful of the Pharisees of the East. Um, and and the, the disciples didn't understand because they, they knew they didn't bring bread. They didn't bring bread, so they were making excuses. They didn't understand what Jesus was saying. And Jesus said to them um, in verse 18, he says, Having eyes, see ye not? And having ears, hear ye not? And do ye not remember, when I break the five loaves among five thousand, how many baskets full of fragments took ye up? They say unto him, Twelve. And when the seven among four thousand, how many baskets full of fragments took ye up? And they said seven. And he said unto them, How is it that you do not understand? And he cometh to Bethsaida, which means oppression. And they bring a blind man unto him, and besought him to touch him. And he took the blind man by the hand and led him out of the town. Interesting that Jesus led him out of the town and had um, spit on his eyes and put his hands upon him and asked him if he saw, if he could see. And he looked up and said, I see men as trees walking. After that, he put his hands again upon the eyes and made him look up and he was restored and saw every man clearly. That was, that was such a beautiful picture for me when if, we, um, if Jesus touches our eyes, sometimes it's progressively that we see things more clearer. clearer. Because my, the other day, me and my daughters, we were walking and um, there was a car just racing by us. And she asked me, but why is this car racing so much? And I said, maybe he doesn't know of any better. And she said to me, um, Yes, when I was small, I thought I'm going to drive so slowly that the police can't catch, catch me. And I said, and she said, but now I understand clearer because I was really frustrated the people that's driving behind me. And it's, it's like that. Sometimes we don't see things very clearly, but later things become more clearer as Jesus touched our eyes and says, look up. 
look up if this man could just look up and see that this man that opened his eyes, that he behold into the face of Jesus, this man is the man that's going to hang on the cross for him. That's going to open his spiritual eyes, not just his eyes touching healing him, but open his eyes for his heart. And, um, you know, I, but sometimes what stands in the way is, you know, ourself. That's always the thing. We stand in the way, oh, I haven't done this. Oof, sorry, we didn't pack, we didn't pack. We only packed flatbread. And it was funny, um, Lorenzo, she mentioned that we're going to have flatbread today. <laughs> but, and the flatbread that they, they packed, Jesus just, he, he just said, don't let yourself be in the way. Don't your puffed upness be in the way. Don't let that be in the way to see Jesus. And, um, you know, I, I, I was very privileged to have an awesome grandmother. She had so much stories, and I learned so much of her. She was so much fun. She, we did many things together, and she, I just hanged on her lip. She always um, spoke about her trip. She had three months they came through the desert from England all the way in Land Rovers, overland to South Africa, and I just wanted to hear the stories. But um, she was also very mischievous. So um, <laughs> the one day her, um, her very good friend, so in those days, you must remember, you had your outfit, your hat, your handbag, and your shoes, everything needed to fit, and very proper. So my, my grandmother sat right at the back, and she waited for a friend to come in because she knew that her friend bought a special new dress for the occasion. So she sat at the back and, and, and waited, waited. So obviously, <coughs> sorry, her friend was a, a little bit late because she wanted, she wanted attention, that the people can see how she dressed up. So, um, and came just before being late. So she moved in, but my mother, a grandmother, just wrote a letter and said, the price tag is hanging at your collar. So she sent a little boy with a letter and lady just read it and she wanted to melt into that chair because she couldn't find the price tag and where is it and this story it just it just showed me that we ourselves we're on the way we're on the way for, to see Jesus because we make it about so many other things and then we miss Jesus we can't see him and um, you know darkness it was always been there. Darkness is not a new thing. It's been there from the beginning. If we read in Genesis 1, it says, In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. And the earth was out form and void. And the darkness was upon the face of the deep. And God said, Let there be light. And there was light. That, that really that really struck me that in this darkness, total darkness, I just I always try just to picture it for myself and there was light. And as this light came forth, it was Jesus coming forth. It was Jesus that just came forth. He was there the perfect day as we read it in, in Proverbs 14:18, the perfect day perfect day that arises in our hearts. Yeah, and sometimes we go and look for answers at the wrong places. Because 
Um, yeah, there, there was also this old lady, and she was sitting knitting out, um, out, just enjoying the evening, just sitting on a stoop. And as the sun set, it really became very dark, and eventually she decided to go in. And as she stood up, then her knitting um, needles, one of them, just fell down the steps into the darkness. And she went inside, and she was searching, searching for everything there inside. And her husband asked, what, what are you doing? And she, she said, no, I'm looking for my knitting needle. And he said, but where did you look? And she said, outside, in the dark. So he said to her, but why are you looking here? She said, because it's so bright in here. And that's what we do. We try to find the answers in artificial light. But the real answer is just if we behold into the face of Jesus. And, um, <clears throat> yeah, we will never find true freedom for every situation in our life. There might be a darkness in our lives that's, that's there and it's, it's staying and we're hiding and we're covering it up. But the real, when Jesus comes, the truth that sets you free, comes and shines in that dark place of your life, that's the only time that you can be really free. We can use medication. We can go and, for, and speak to people. There's so many things that we can do. Read books, find things. But that's all artificial. The true, true freedom comes when Jesus' light shines in that dark corner of your life. And, um, yeah, I don't know if most of you are familiar, I'm sure, with Helen Keller. We, we um, just read, um, with the girls, we read the story about her life. And she was, she was born in 27th June 1880 in Alabama. And um, her story really just inspired me because she was, she was born um, perfectly normal. And then when she was 18 months old, she got a scarlet fever. And she got so sick that she actually lost her sight and a hearing. And just imagine a life in total darkness. A baby that once saw light, can't see anything, can't communicate, can't hear, can't, can't see light. And, um, but, but it, was, it was so amazing that she, her parents found out about a girl, Anne Sullivan, and she actually sacrificed her life to come alongside Helen, and she just touched in her hands, she taught her the alphabet, she let her feel things, she let her smell things, she let, and she couldn't hear, but in the end, Helen, she died when she was almost 80, um, and she could hear, oh, she couldn't hear. Praise, that would be awesome story. <laughs> Imagine. But she met Jesus, and that was, that was just, for me, such a relief. But she could, she could even speak, because she tried, she just lip-read people's mouth, um, lips with her with hand. And um, she wrote books. She went to university, she played chess. She even rode a horse. And that's, that's amazing. That's real determination. And I think if we have that determination in our hearts to really find every single truth in our lives like that, what more 
is possible. Because in, if we read, um, yeah, if we, we read in 2 Peter, in 2 Peter 1 verse 3, it says that according as his divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness through the knowledge of him that hath called us to glory and virtue, whereby are given unto exceeding and great and precious promises, that we might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. And this coming from Peter, and he says, um, and it, it's, it says in the word, for if these things be in you and abound, they make you that ye shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But he that lacketh these things is blind and cannot see afar off. Sure. All these things is given in, is God already planted within us. It's already planted within us. And it, in verse 16 it says, We were not retelling some masterfully crafted legend when we informed you of the power and appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ. For we saw his magnificence and splendor unveiled before our eyes. The true gospel was unveiled in front of Peter, James and John's eyes on the mountain of transfiguration. Wow. And um, it says in, in 2 Peter 1 verse 19, And so we have been given the prophetic word, the written message of the prophets, made more reliable and fully validated by the confirming voice of God on the Mount of Transfiguration. And you will continue to do well if you stay focused on it. It's like the blind man whose eyes were restored. If he just kept focusing on, on Jesus, if we keep focusing on Jesus and what his, his message that he's put inside, us, inside of us. Because it says, For the prophetic message is like a piercing light shining in a gloomy place until the dawning of a new day when the morning star rises in your heart. <laughs> you know, so I, I, I just thought about these three men that were there on the mountain, Peter, James, and John. And if we go look in, in Luke 5, that's where Jesus invited them first. He invited them. So we're going to read there from the Amplified Classic. And it says in Luke 5 verse 1, Now it occurred that while the people pressed upon Jesus to hear the message of God, he was standing by the lake of the Sea of Galilee. And he saw the two boats draw up by the lake, but the fishermen had gone down from them and were washing their nets. So they were finished. They were finished for the day. And getting into the boat... One of the boats, the one um, that belonged to Simon Peter, he requested him to draw away a little to the shore, from the shore. 
Then he sat down and continued to teach the crowd of people from the boat. When he had stopped speaking, he said to Simon Peter, Put out into the deep water and lower your nets for haul. And Simon Peter asked, and he answered, Master, we toiled all night exhaustingly and caught nothing in our nets. But on the ground of your word, I will lower the nets again. Sure, and you know the rest of the story, that there was so much fish that they couldn't even take it in their own boats. They had to call for help from their companions. And verse 10 says, And so also Jesus, Ach James, John, the sons of Zebedee, who were partners of Simon, Peter, and Jesus said to them, Have no fear. From now on you will be catching men. And verse 11 says, And after they had run their boats on shore, they left everything and joined him as his disciples, and sided with his party and accompanied him. So this, what stood out for me was this, that they all night they toiled. They were exhausted because they were looking for answers. And Jesus is not telling us today, leave your jobs. Leave your job and just come after me. No, he said that we can accompany him. He doesn't want us to toil and toil and look for answers. He wants to do it with us. And because in, if we read in Song of Solomon's, we read about the, the small foxes. Jesus says in Songs of Solomon's 2, he says, take us the little foxes. There's a lot of things in our lives that takes away our relationship, just our focus of Jesus. And it takes us off. off. It, it actually steals our relationship that we, that we can have with Jesus. And um, I know when this, this fox is small, it's, we've got a small puppy, puppy, and she's very cute. I mean, she really destroys our garden. She, she does lots of things in our house and destroys everything she can. And they're very cute. And that's why you don't, you bear with that. And you look over that. But the foxes, get, they get big. They get big. And Jesus says, I'm going to read it in another translation. It says, You must catch the troubling foxes, those sly little foxes, that hinder our relationship, for they raid our budding vineyards of love to ruin what I've planted within you. And this, again, God says he's planted, he's planted so much inside of us. It's already there. It's already there, like everything was in Helen, and it just needed to come out. And that's what God has placed everything inside of us. There's just these foxes that keeps it away, our relationship with Jesus, that he can help us. And it says there, um, yeah, it says that because they are destroying this vineyard that I've planted within you, Will you catch them and remove them from me? And then it says, we will do it together. 
That's so beautiful because Jesus never said you must do it on your own. You go and sort out your life and come back. And that's what we think. Because it's, it's, it's so sad. The bride then says, I know my lover is mine and I have everything in you. For we delight ourselves in each other. But until the day springs to life and the shifting shadows of fear disappear, turn around, my lover, and ascend and skip like a young stag over the mountains of separation. How sad is that? We separate ourselves from God. We say, no, wait, I can't, I can't now. I, don't, oh, I just want to hide this little thing. I want to keep this little fox for myself. This is a cute fox. I want to keep it here. And that separates us from his love, from his total light that comes and penetrates our hearts, every, every dark corner of our lives. Yes, so in John 8, verse 12, it says that Jesus actually spoke and he said, Then spake Jesus unto them, saying, I am the light of the world. He that follows me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. This is, this is words that, that Jesus is saying, um, Just after you know, the Pharisees, they actually wanted to, to trick him. And they brought this woman to him that, yeah, that committed adultery. And Jesus didn't condemn her. Jesus just spoke life into her. And he said to her, do you know what I want to do through you? And Psalm 8 was, was just such a beautiful, beautiful psalm to also show what God has placed in the heavens and tell us who we are. And it says, Look at the splendor of your skies, your creative genius glowing in heavens. When I gaze at your moon and your stars, mounted like jewels in their setting, I know you are this fascinating artist who fashioned it all. But when I look up, when I look up and see wonder, your workmanship above, I have to ask this one question. Compared to all this cosmic glory, why would you bother with puny, mortal man or be in, infatuated with Adam's sons? Yet, what honor you have given me, created only little lower than Elohim, crowned him like kings and queens with glory and magnificence. You've delegated to them mastery over all and have made making everything subservient under their authority, placing earth itself, earth itself, the dust, placing the dust itself under his feet, under the feet of your image bearers. That was beautiful for me. We are destined to be his image bearers. And if you think, God took out of Eve, oh, he, he built Eve out of a rib of Adam, 
if we, we read it in, in Genesis 2 verse 18, and it, God said, It is not good that man should be alone. I will make him a helpmeet. And the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam, and he slept and took one rib, or a part of his side, and he closed it up with his with the flesh instead. And if we look at the rib, a rib is a supportive system. It's a, a supportive structure. And um, if, if we think of even the ark, it also had a rib. It was supporting. And we, we are destined to carry the light. We to bring forth the light. We are to bear Jesus. That's we who we are meant to be. To bear Jesus, to bear the light inside of us. And um, yeah, I just I just want to read again 2 Corinthians 4 verse 6. Who God said, let brilliant light shine out of the darkness is the one who has cascaded his light into us. The brilliant dawning light of the glorious knowledge of God as we gaze into the face of Jesus. And just after that, Jesus spoke to um, this lady. Um, these Pharisees, they just wanted to stone him because he said that he, he said um, in verse 8, um, 8 of John 8 verse 56, Your father Abram rejoiced to see my day, and he saw it and was glad. And these Pharisees were just arguing with him and say, but you, you weren't even born yet. And they wanted to stone him with the same stones that they picked up to stone the, the, the woman. But then Jesus moves on in John 9. Um, verse 1, it says, And as Jesus passed by, he saw a man which was blind from his birth. And his disciples asked him, saying, Master, who did sin, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? And Jesus answered, Neither had this man sinned nor his parents, but that the works of God should be made manifest to him. So um, Jesus said that I must work, I, um, I must work the works of him that sent me. While it is day, the night cometh, when no man can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. When he had thus spoken, he spat on the ground, and he made clay of spittle, and anointed this blind man with, um, with clay with his eyes, and said unto him, Go wash in the pool of Siloam which means, by interpretation, saint. So here is the saint, Jesus, the one whom God sent, and he put clay on this man's face. And he was just telling him, this is out of dust you were made, but I want to open your eyes, because I want you to go and wash yourself in Siloam, in saints. And that's the place, that is where Jesus is washing us 
with the Word. He washes us with Himself. And this man's eyes were restored. Wow. If we want to try and figure things out with our earthly eyes, we are going to struggle. We're going to struggle. Yeah. But God who said, let light shine out of the darkness, has also shined this in our hearts. And if we think of Jesus hanging on the cross, we, when, when the spear of the soldier went into his side, blood and water ran out, and there was a birth. There was a birth taking place. The birth of his bride. Us, his, we can see with our spiritual eyes. There was a spiritual birth taking place. And yeah, when we read in Galatians 1 verse 3, Paul prays this prayer and he says, Grace be to you and peace from God the Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ who gave himself for our sins, that he might deliver us from this present evil world, according to the will of God our Father, to whom be the glory forever. Amen. I can, I can only testify, um, when, when I was at my darkest place in my life, um, the person that that I looked up the most actually said to me, um, "You are a shame." But that was very hard words for me to hear. But that was the best words that someone could ever tell me, because from that moment I was actually being set free. Because the truth in that situation of what Jesus was saying over me, that made the difference in my life. So things that I was maybe trying to hide, God revealed it. And we read it in 1 John 5.21, and it, it's in the, in the Amplified Classic. It just says it exactly. Little children, keep yourselves from idols, from false gods, from anything and everything that would occupy the place in your heart, that would occupy the, occupy the place in your heart due to God. From any sort of substitute from Him that would take first place in your life. Amen. So be it. And there is many other things that still have first place in our hearts. Things that we don't even know, we don't even realize of, but these dark corners that we think, I can sort it out. I must do this. I must do that. I must, maybe I can try to find an answer there, or maybe I should ask that person, or let me look at my phone, look at the internet. What is it saying? But it says, um, yeah, in, in Psalms, Psalms 4, um, verse 6, it says, I've made up my mind. The thing is, it's, it's a choice that we've got to make. We've got to make the choice and say, you know what? 
I've made up my mind. I've made up my mind. Until the darkness disappears and the dawn has fully come, in spite of shadows and fears, I will go to the mountain top with you. The mountain of suffering love and the hill of burning incense. And that's the place. That is the place where you say, you know what? My flesh is dying with Jesus' flesh. I want to live a spiritual life. I don't want to live with what I can see, just seeing in front of me all the answers that I try to find, all this toiling in the night. I'm just toiling, toiling and exhausting myself to just become free. It doesn't help. It brings us nowhere. It leaves us in the darkness. But when the light of Jesus penetrates our hearts, that's where he says in verse 4, he says, And my beloved reached into me to unlock my heart. The core of my very being trembled at his touch. How my soul melted when he spoke to me. And that's, that's, that's what he does. He doesn't come and tell you, you are so stupid. You are this, you are that. He unlocks your heart to have a relationship with him. He unlocks it. He wants to unlock it. He wants to touch your heart. That that's how we become a lover of God. It looks so, it's not possible. Because, I mean, you can't even see him. You can't feel him. You can't touch him. You can't smell him. How can I fall head over heels with this God in this dark world? It's so dark. But it's possible if you make the choice and you allow him that his light penetrate our hearts. Take every dark corner out of it. Then we don't need anything more. We're not like Eve that I still need something. There's something that I still need besides Jesus. There's nothing. There's nothing that we can need beside him. Because the answer is in his light. And then, um, yeah, if we if we just come to realize that, then it's as if this scripture in Proverbs four just it makes sense. It makes sense. It says, "But the lovers of God walk on the highway." So it's not it's not as if we've arrived. It's it's a highway. We're still getting there. We're still getting there. And there way shines brighter. It's like that star that rises within our hearts to bring forth the perfect day. And the perfect day is is if we read in, in Revelation, it says, Then a voice came from the throne, Praise our God, all you, his loving servants, and all who fear him and honor him, those are all lowly, and those who are great. Then I heard what seemed to be a thunderous voice of, of a great multitude, like the sound of massive waterfall and mighty peals of thunder, crying out, Hallelujah! For the Lord our God, the Almighty reigns. Let us rejoice and exalt Him and give Him the glory, because the wedding celebration of the Lamb has come 
and his bride has made herself ready. And we are all his bride, his spiritual bride. Because we are, he made a way for us when he birthed us on the cross. And this can also be translated, and his bride made herself ready. It can also be translated as, and his bride loves him. <coughs> Jesus loved us first. He's made the way first. Are we, are we loving him back? And then in Revelation 21, 22, it says, And the city had no need of the sun, neither the moon, to shine in it, for the glory of God did lighten it, and the Lamb is the light thereof. We'd love to hear from you. If you'd like to connect with us, or if you'd like us to pray with you, please contact us at info at gracelife.co. If you'd like to order more resources or discover more about us, you can visit our website at www.gracelife.co or find us on Twitter, Facebook and YouTube.